0: I kind of think people skip some steps, you know, in <laughs> for the, sure. <laughs> it matters to really go through it versus to, to be a reaction.
1: That's right. Cause as a reaction, you are always a victim too. Do you remember I was in LA late last year, we were on the
0: phone and I was like, Karen, right? I'm getting so creative. I love this trip to LA. I think I'm almost ready to start something again. Right. And I've got this idea, that idea, and that idea. You remember what your response was?
1: Stop it. (laughs) Yeah. Don't. Yeah. You're a high achiever on paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is, you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger-Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down what's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over, but let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download Listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. You know those people that are the magnificent blend of hope, joy, bold, and brilliance? My guest, Ejen Lu, is one of those people. Join our conversation as we talk about the place where vision, drive, resilience, and truth Swirl around in the process of starting and eventually stopping a movement. Listen for love, for pain, for compassion, and for surrender. They're all here in the Trauma Hiders Club. Ejen, I'm so glad you're here.
0: Yeah, it's good to be here. It's always great to see you.
1: You too. We we have that like jam on shit thing, don't we?
0: That's right. Yeah. No, I mean, there's nothing I like more than a good Karen Baker session after something goes down.
1: <laughs> well, you also make it easy. You're very coachable and open. So there's the combined of brilliance. Thank you. Well, it's what I do. We get vulnerable. That's right. Same here. So one of, the, one of the reasons why you and I are here today is, well, there are lots of reasons. You're an amazing human and a caring person in the world, like you care about people. Oh, sure. Yeah. And also like your commitment to love. That is something I love about you. And recently we were talking about your trajectory in terms of who you are as an entrepreneur and the ups and downs of all of that. And I connected that to something that I've been jamming on lately, which I haven't talked very much about on the show, which is something I'm calling leadership trauma. So whether or not these two things are connected, I don't know, but I think that we will get into your experience and perhaps there are ties to leadership trauma, which I'm not going to explain right now, but if it's relevant, I will. So yeah, listeners join us for this conversation. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Ejen, hold on. I'm going to back up. I'm going to ask you a different question. I was going to ask you about your creative process, but right now I don't give a shit. So
0: by the way, I'm so glad we're capturing this now because, you know, it's surprising how things turn into a faint memory so quickly. Yeah. Right. Like Mm. I couldn't really relay to you what it felt like when I first raised money you know, cause it was a phenomenal feeling. And now it's just a whisper, you know, right. of, a, of a page in the book. Right. And I can already feel, you know, the leadership trauma feeling, I can already feel, you know, the sense of failure, all those things disappearing. Right. And I would tell that story very differently a few months mm-hmm. from now than I would today. So I'm, I'm glad you're doing, it and thank you for that.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I love, It's so interesting because I think that in itself, the being so close to it and not being able to talk about it is in itself a trauma response. Yes. Yeah. Totally.
0: Totally. And, you know, I don't know whether we just hide trauma by forgetting eventually. Right. I mean, I think society so much expects us to be okay and we want to be okay. That, you know, one of the first things that I did, so I'm sitting at a dinner in Miami with two really good friends who knew everything about my founder journey after the company shut down. And some of their new friends are there. And someone who is doing incredibly well in his startup is at the table says, oh, what do you do? I said, I just shut down my startup. And he says, oh, what did it do? And I'm starting to get awkward, right? I'm starting to like internally, I'm ramping up for eventually the question of like, well, what happened? And so we get to that question and I go on like a three to five minute, just awkward monologue that feels bad for myself, but wants to tell him it wasn't my fault. And like this, that, and the other. And I was just so ashamed of myself, Mm. right? Like so ashamed. And to the point where, you know, my, my very supportive friends, you know, jump in and they just start telling my story for me. And afterward, I text one of my friends and I'm like, was I really weird answering that question? Because I felt like that. He goes, yeah, a little bit. And And he goes, you know, we just need to come up with a concise story for you. Right. So you don't get into that situation again. And he goes, here, I'll help you. And so sweet of him. He wrote me out like, a three bullet point really nice response that you would say in an interview and it made me sound like a hero. Now, that was very sweet, but it rewrote the history and it took away, you know, the true internal experience and that's why so many leaders go through, you know, these kinds of situations alone because the evidence is so well hidden of what right. it's actually like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So share your bullet points. So
0: the first one was team. I had failed to build out a team that was going to, you know, be able to iterate quickly. And, you know, I would say this to anyone. I love my people. Yeah. I think we had amazing relationships. Um, I think what I really didn't get right there was my initial cockiness as a lone wolf, my introversion in some ways, which meant that I wasn't out there networking and and pulling in, you know, more people that could help in, in areas that I, you know, wasn't good at. I was not good at marketing and I tried to hold it all together myself. So the first failure was team. Two was, I was too obsessed with what the product was and not obsessed enough with the end user. So I was creating something, you know, and I had the form factor fixed in my head. I almost, you know, had a solution, you know, waiting for the problem. And I had stopped actually serving the end customer in my obsession to make this one thing work. Third is my personal life was a giant mess. I had gone through a breakup late last year and it was really rough on me it was the first time I was in a relationship where I thought this could be it. I'd never had that feeling before. And when the breakup happened, I was just destroyed. And, you know, I remember just trying to numb it out and I was doing some like, you know, thousand piece puzzle around Thanksgiving time. And as I was doing it, I just had this awful sense that like nothing in my life was working. And I thought to myself, I hate myself and I hate my life. And it scared me. I was always an optimist, both externally and internally. And I started losing my hair. I went to an acupuncturist and he was like, what'd you eat for breakfast? I said, pizza. He said, what'd you have for dinner last night? Pizza. And he goes, no, you know, like you need to make change in your life.
1: Mm. So team vision, is it? Would you say the second bullet of vision? Execution,
0: I would Execution.
1: say. Execution, okay. Yeah. And then love.
0: Yeah, 100%. Love broke me.
1: Yeah. I,
0: honestly, if my relationship were going well, I'd probably have the internal kind of refueling to keep going. Because honestly, we still had, you know, almost half of the money that I would, had raised left over. So we could have. And I say, you know, it was, it was, not, a, it was not a failure of time and money it was a failure of spirit
1: hmm When, I remember when you, when you went public, let's say, when you told me that you were shutting human down, mm-hmm. I, I remember feeling this, the pain that you were feeling. Well, for one, having been on the journey with you, right? From, from the start, pretty much. Yeah. And what I, what I experienced of you was incredible high achiever, right? Like you've always done the things, went to the schools, done the things, had, had the jobs and this was your own create. You birthed this, did we call it an app? Yeah. Company. Yeah. Yeah. You birthed this app and you decided to shut it down. I remember it, the pain in your voice. Ooh, yeah.
0: I'm feeling it as your. It's been a long time since I've been present
1: to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what I was really present to in that call, in that conversation, was your shame. Mm-hmm. And as someone who not only loves you but supports you from time to time, right? Like, I didn't want to take that away from you. And I did at the same time, right? (laughs) It's that, right? Like, I don't want her to feel that way because that's not not the game we're playing here. And yet, I can't make that go away for you.
0: Yeah, that was such a, that time period for me. I can start to feel it in
1: my body again Mm -hmm. as we're talking about it. Can you stay there? cause this can be helpful to people listening. What, what are you feeling in your body?
0: Yeah. What I'm feeling is my cheekbones or my cheeks are starting to rise a little bit, almost like I'm getting ready to cry, but I'm, but I want to hide it, you know, like, and, and, you know, I come from this Asian upbringing where, you know, the, the feelings get stuck inside a lot more than they show. I feel a pressure, in my chest, I feel, you know, I don't think I'm smiling per se. I guess maybe I am like, like I have a almost like this stiff frozen smile on Mm. my face Mm -hmm. as I'm talking to you. The one that wants to generally be okay. And just keep that going. I feel this like rising sensation in me that it's almost like it wants to cry, it wants to shout, it wants Mm -hmm. to get out, it just wants to get out of me or I want to get out of me. Uh, I feel stunned at the same time. Like that's a sensation I feel in my back, almost like a numbness, you know, like, like if somebody like slapped you really hard on your back, it's not the back slap, but afterward, you know, your, your like nerves are like, oh, it just happened is, Mm. is what I feel.
1: Yeah. Right. That unfamiliar, right. Like some sort of sneak surprise.
0: Yes. Yeah. Like a behind me and a a shock to the system Mm -hmm. and also like that sense of, oh my God. Right. It's, it's like, uh, how am I going to explain this to people? You know, I've never accidentally gotten pregnant, but you know, it's like, a moment where let's say I hooked up with someone and I, the next day I'm staring at, or the next month, I'm staring at the pregnancy test. Like, who is he even, you know, like that. I, you know, just one of these moments where my head is not working. It feels frozen. I've been told that, you know, fight, flight or freeze. I'm a freezer and I'm stunned and I want time to stop and I want to do over.
1: Really, thank you for sharing all of that Um, and for being brave and courageous to go back, right? What you just shared could be somebody's pathway. For me, if you've listened to the show and listeners know this, identifying feelings and describing them is something that I've been practicing, not great at, always looking for the periodic chart of emotions to appear over everybody's head so I could read it and identify my own. Yeah, that's really beautiful work you just did. Thank you for that. So that shame is part of what so much of what I see in people who present with trauma, something that happened to them. So for you, we, we could put you in that category of something that happened, right? Right. You shut down your social app. You shut down human. And that is something that happened. There's this other piece of this thing I'm calling leadership trauma that lands the same way. And I'm wondering if it was too early, but let me, let's just kind of play into this for a minute. So I'm describing leadership trauma as something that's very similar to traditional capital T or small t trauma, something which is something that happened to you. Leadership trauma actually did not happen yet or might not ever happen. However, the fear, the shame, one might say the anxiety of what might happen lands in the central nervous system the same way. So, right, because I could, I could fail, I could fail my family, I could fail my clients, I could fail my investors, I could fail the world. You know, if I fail, I am failure. I am shame. Now there's shame. Now there's all the things. So when you were in production, did you have those sorts of like future failure fears that kept you up at night, or were you more into the moment of creating human?
0: I definitely was afraid of failure, but it, it was very different in that. I think some of us are oriented toward believing things will fail because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it can make us feel better, right? That like nothing will surprise us. I'm not one of those. Right. No, you're no, not. I, I I'm actually a real optimist. So, it was a feeling not of thinking into the future and being afraid of failing per se, it felt more like a tiger running behind me mm. and it could catch up at any moment in time. And it was, I think as I'm sure many founders or just any, time we're in, in, in charge of something that has high stakes, it's almost like, um, like I wanted to stay one step ahead at all times. Right. And, I wanted to prevent something from going wrong. Okay. We want to run a beta test. Yeah. Yeah. We have a hypothesis that if we do this, this will happen. My God, this better happen. Oh my God. What am I going to tell the investors? if This doesn't happen. Right. And so um, I'm also very well trained in corporate. Like, I don't know if people pop out the womb like this, but you know, in my years working at Microsoft and Amazon, you know, big company environments where, You learn to play politics because you know how much it matters for your career. I've learned how to spin the story and even proactively spin, rationalize, justify to be ready for any scenario. But yeah, there was that fear, but the failure was just a few steps ahead, slash, wanting to catch up with me at all times.
1: Yeah. So you described a tiger, and a tiger has stripes, but in this, If you'll play with me for a minute in this world of possibility and imagination, if your tiger had words or a word all over its body instead of stripes, what would the word be or the words be? One is
0: imposter. Mm. One is oblivion, (laughs) like just sheer irrelevance, just (laughs) entire dismissal. Like dismissal of what? It's like dismissal of myself as a capable human being, you know, like in the eyes of others. And it took a very long time, by the way, for that feeling of maybe being dismissible as a human being to like just fundamentally sink in as a possible truth, even for myself. But yeah, I, I think it's this feeling of like, I sold the bill of goods to a lot of people. When this is my own idea and I'm just tinkering with it, you know, the tree fell, no one heard it. And who cares? Now I have people who put real money in the people who've supported me people who have recommended me to their friends to even put in money or to spend their time on and yeah, being an absolute letdown and for them to be like the story that they tell afterward is like, Oh yeah, she's, she's all right. I wouldn't invest in her again. You know, immature founder, not, not a good leader. She's all right. That to me is the feeling of oblivion.
1: Yeah, right. And imagine, I mean, here you are in San Francisco. I imagine a lot of your investors are also in San Francisco, potentially running into someone who invested. Have, have you had that experience?
0: I have that fear. Do you know? It's, yeah. It's, it's, very, it's very interesting because there were definitely some investors who I would imagine would not want to invest in me based on what happened again, there were other investors and, like definitely more investors who told me they would definitely invest again. One of them, when I said, okay, I'm going to give you back what you put in, you know, the 40% I was giving back to all investors. He said, no, no, just keep it. Consider it my investment in your next company. You know, or I was talking to a big name investor who didn't invest this time around, but we met along the way. And it was it was one of the most heartening conversations. I was in Mexico. So in the post-shutdown life, I was in Mexico City and I was catching up with this one investor who I had met a year before when I was still riding high, had just finished raising money. She said, I wanted to talk with you because. I loved our conversation so much a year ago. Let me read you my notes. She pulled them up. She goes, "Deeply authentic, charismatic, special founder." I was astounded, you know, and she said, "Whatever you do next, I want to get involved." And there were investors who'd seen me in detail through the entire journey. I mean, she didn't, but there were a number of investors that saw me through all the twists and turns who told me they'd still do it again. And so, Anyway, it's just, it's such a shock, but, but there's always that, that fear, like, all right, who definitely wouldn't? I, I thought about disconnecting them on LinkedIn, you know, cause I don't want that, you know, the back channels, I don't want that to come around. And by the way, until I started my own company, I had zero fear. Like I literally felt like, you know what, go sniff out my track record. And, uh, you're only going to hear from people that I'm awesome, and this is the time when I was like, "Oh my god, I don't, I don't, I, I fear that that reference check a little bit."
1: Yeah, yeah, and isn't it amazing, right? That the people you fear are the people you haven't talked to yet, right? Or, or the general sense that failure is what people remember. And by the way, it's only your definition of failure. Other people may have said e shut down her startup, period. And like, there's no other narrative, right? So it's so interesting that, the, that there are people who have given you a reflection of you that is so different than the narrative you're telling. Yeah. So remember that. That's the fuckery we do to ourselves. I am a piece of shit, <laughs> right? I suck. And we believe that shit. And then somebody reflects special founder. Like, are you kidding me? Charismatic, brilliant, all the things. And your story is, you know, I'm a piece of crap. Yeah.
0: And I'm still living the aftermath, right? Right now. Like a lot of that is healed. You know, one of the, somebody I met maybe like, I don't know, a month ago, I was telling him what happened with the startup. He goes, listen, you can't go around telling that story anymore. Like Eeyore, he was like, what your walk, your sob story that you're like walking around with, like it's on the front page of the New York times and it needs explanation. He's like, that's on the back cover of everyone's book. Like no one cares. People start companies and people shut them down. Right. And I was like, you know, that was a, that was a, an official turning point for me now I am interviewing for jobs and here's where I might have like vulnerability hangover. Right. But I am, I am looking for what am I going to do next? Right. And there's a small part of me that's lost faith in myself. And there's a small part of me that, yeah, it's a question mark. It remains a, a question mark. And I wonder if I've maybe lost it, you know, and I, you know, my rational mind is like, that's crazy town. But yeah, that, I mean, it lives with me as a fear of selling goods I don't have.
1: Hmm. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, that's a heartbreaker for me. Knowing you, right? And also being able to sit over here where I know that if you had fucked up the biggest sh- whatever, whatever shit in the world, who you are in brilliance in experience, in ability, in vision, all of that is still who you are, right? It is yeah. who you are, E-Gen. And so the closing down of your startup is, God, now I feel like I sound, I'm about to sound, so I'm going to think about this. I'm about to sound like a little sticky note that you'd put on your refrigerator to pump you up. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> But what I see is incredible experience, power, and strength that is so valuable to so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Like the experience you had as a founder of shutting down your company, talking to investors, all of it, all of it. There's so much to offer any company, let alone any human who wants to create something or is in the process of creating something or already has. Right. Like that's not a question mark. That's an exclamation point.
0: Thank you. I get that. And I also, you know, I also don't, right. Like, like something that I feel like I need to prove to myself Mm. (laughs) again. Like I, I'm
1: going to interrupt you. So, cause it's my show. So fuck it. So what proof do you need? Like, what, what are you looking to, what are, what evidence are you looking for? I need to start winning
0: again. So I could be like, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. It's all there. I need, I need to start, you know, working on stuff and be like, boom, do you see you added value? I'm like, yes, that is right. I added value, that, that's right, that's what I do. Mm. You know, I think, I think a, a hard thing in a startup especially at the early stages is not really having too many mirrors reflecting back. You know, it's almost like if I have a win, you know, my engineers are gonna be like, yeah, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, but I don't know. It it, it just it lives is almost like it's like a one of the hardest parts about interviewing now is how I mean I've been through war with the uh, with the startup, you know, like incredibly rich experience, ups, downs, blah, blah, blah. But like being at an early stage startup where I don't actually really have to justify myself to people very much, right? you just kind of forget. It's like if you went through some crazy life experience, some journey around the world, and you weren't allowed to talk for the whole year of it at all. Like the story wasn't encapsulated. I don't think that's very interesting, but basically what were you saying before?
1: What I asked you is what evidence are you looking for that would winning and you said value added? And here we are like, I would not have called you to sit in this space and say, Hey, Egen, can you share who you are with the world? You, to me, like, there's no prize that says, I'm going to have Egen on the show and prove to her that she is value added. You are here because you <laughs> exist. Yeah. And you are like, you cannot help. Yeah. But to add value, you just, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. It's wild. It's your being. There's like, I know that it's so much easier for me to see over here, but it is your being. Yeah, interesting. I'm like, Karen, are you trying to make me feel better? You know that I, that's so not my job. And (laughs) no, I'm not trying to make, I'm just calling out what I see. Yeah, Yeah, I could make you feel worse, by the way, if you want. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But actually, I I do want to point to this too. I see you versus who I talk to like at the end of the year in 2021. I see a healing person. I do. By the way, not somebody who like compartmentalized a bunch of bullshit and, and just stuffed it away. Like I see you wrestling and dealing and being and all of that. So I have two questions for you, okay? One is... If your story was on the front page of the New York Times, what would it say? And then I'll ask you the second one after. Okay. So what would it say on the front page of the New York Times?
0: I don't know. Visionary takes a break. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm reading a story looking at you and having experienced you um, and it's not lost on me that your app was called human and. What I'm reading on the front of the front of the New York Times is human does human things and makes a human move while confronting her own humanity. Yeah. You, you showed up as a human. Yeah. And by the way, that should be a really fascinating story because everything, most things are made up bullshit. Yes right? But the story that we want to read, even if we don't know it yet, is that your own humanity is the thing to get in touch with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the really interesting conversations I had after I shut down the company was with a friend and I was kind of telling her why I shut it down, blah, blah, blah. And this was when it was really, really fresh. And she goes, I was about to reframe your use of the word failure, but I have a feeling it's really good for you right now. Yes, And that was so wise because there were so many people who wanted to put the silver lining on immediately, right? Like, what? Those tears slap you on the ass, get you back on the field. Don't you see how great you are? Blah, 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 blah and that's just not where my entire being was at and it's very kind of them but it's also a symptom of how uncomfortable they are with my discomfort that's right right that they they can't let it exist and i knew it had to go grief you know like a, a lost vision even like the foregone you know, finances and career opportunities, you know, of the past several years, the like the trade-offs I made, the probably couple years of my life that got shaved off, like all of that had to course through my system. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it was just gonna hang out somewhere. And then come back and bite you in the ass. Completely. And yes. it's just like grieving, grieving quickly is grieving thoroughly, you know, like the fastest way to process to is to be honest. And so I had to, to be there. And I think in life, there's just so many people who want to get away from the icky feeling of failure. Now, and it's important to actually go through it. Now, I had a, a distinct point. So, you know, Christmas morning, I was by myself in my apartment, lying on my couch, crying and high. I've just gone through a breakup. My, I laid off my uh, employee's, a week before Christmas, I was in this terrible place. Fast forward, it's January. I've settled into that terrible place. I am no longer in denial. And then by end of January, I'm starting to feel like, you know what? Oh, so what? So what? I'm not fighting. And I started to get very comfortable with myself again. Um, in this place of, you know, I've accepted, you know, that was a massive failure. I'm not trying to change the consequence. I'm not trying to start a new company. I've just accepted. And I, I reached this new phase where I realized like I wasn't, I wasn't moving on with my life because and I, I started asking myself why. I had like no motivation at all. And I'm like, okay, I am grieving thoroughly, but I could, I could probably hang out here forever. And I started to realize it was because I was afraid of what was next. Right. grief now became what was before. What was familiar was being this startup founder and being in this relationship. And then when that both those things ended, I was like, no, this is not reality. And I had to grieve. I had to grieve and be like, oh, this is dead. This is dead. This is dead. And now I'm in this grief phase. That's my new reality. And I'm unwilling to move on from that as well. Right. Because inventing this blank slate from this blank slate is way scarier than, you know, knowing that I'm in this grief mode and it was the perfect excuse to not do anything at all. And so, you know, funny phases.
1: Yeah. You know, I love that you brought that. Here's why. When it comes to healing trauma, there are people who, and I'm, I was one of these people. I had a fear that if I really dug into my trauma and went deep and started to do healing work that my relationship with my husband would suffer. Like he Mm -hmm. wouldn't know who I am. I'd be rocking in the corner. He like who we were with all the trauma that I had hid for years. Like that's who he knew, right? So I'm just gonna stay in this fucked up place because it's the place I know. It's not a blank slate, right? yeah yeah so I may as well just stay here as fucked up as that is. I'm just gonna stay here, yeah, yeah, and so isn't that interesting that like the only as they say the only way out is through, so step by step we step through and we might step ten steps backwards after making one forward, but we keep going, yeah yeah that's
0: right yeah we
1: we do really keep going I mean that's the amazing thing
0: about. Being human, I mean i I do fear you know like it 's not to say that it's linear and it's possible to skip a step, but I kind of think people skip some steps, you know for the, sure <laughs>
1: it,
0: it matters to really go through it versus to to be a reaction
1: that's right, because as a reaction, you are always a victim too. do you remember I was in l a late last year. We were
0: on the phone and I was like, "Karen, right? I'm getting so creative. I love this trip to LA. I think I'm almost ready to start something again, right? And I've got this idea, that idea and that idea." You remember what your response was? "Stop it."
1: Yeah. <laughs> "Don't." Yeah. Yeah.
0: You were like for the next 60 days, yeah. "Do not do anything. Do not take any ideas forward. Do not" And I remember I, you push back, I pushed back and then we agreed to 30
1: days. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you said end of January. I was like, right. this is what we agreed to. It's funny that you say that we agreed to for the next 30 days, but we will check in at 30 days and decide if we're going to recontract. I didn't give give in to the 60 days. I only made it sound better.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, the funny thing was, I don't know if you knew this or not, but by the end of 30 days, that motivation to like start something was gone. I know. Well, so, so, you know, you know, the funniest thing is when you're watching like a basketball game or a soccer game, and let's say there's the, uh, you know, somebody on one team has the ball and then it gets stolen from the other team you never see somebody run so fast as when they're retrieving the ball, they just lost. Right. Right. And that was me. I was like rebound mode. And I think in those moments, right. Like much of the world would cheer for you. Right. Like let's just turn that frown upside down. Let's redirect all that like grief frustration and pour it into a company because look what we turned that into. It you know, more, better, different, always based on the past, right? That's right. And it, it, was, it was just a, a freshly, a gaping wound mm-hmm. <laughs> that I would have been creating from. And so I, I'm really glad. I tell a lot of people the story of how you told me to just sit on my hands. And I didn't think it, I was even capable of doing that. So thank you.
1: Yeah, for sure. Not only did you do it, you did it brilliantly because you opened yourself up to the feeling and the grieving and the beginning of what could be next for you yeah you've been listening to the trauma hiders club podcast for more episodes head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform and if you're ready to fight discover the rules of trauma club head over to karen